Welcome to the Food Freedom Life podcast, where we'll chat about everything food, body image, and emotional healing. If you want eating, movement, and health to be a part of your life without taking up your whole life, you're in the right place. I'm your host and registered dietitian, Brittany Allison, and I'm here to bring you the best tips, tools, strategies, hacks, and inspirational stories that will help you get out of the diet binge cycle so that you can heal, eat, and make room for the things that truly matter. Grab your coffee and let's chat. This is the Food Freedom Life podcast. Before I dive in today, I wanted to share a super exciting announcement with you, and that is that I am officially reopening my group coaching program for enrollment. This is a 12-week virtual group coaching program to not only break you out of binge eating, compulsive eating, overeating, poor body image, and emotional eating patterns, but to also kickstart your journey to food freedom and cultivate a healthful life with balance and ease with food and exercise. If you're feeling alone in your struggle, if you really thrive hearing from others who are in the same place as you, and you want to form a community around healing and empower yourself to break free from these destructive patterns for good, group coaching is for you. We get started on Monday, January 9th, so perfect timing to start your new year off right and in a better place with food and body image. Head over to BrittanyAllisonRD.com slash group hyphen coaching to learn more and book a free consult with me to see if it's a good fit and enroll. Again, that's BrittanyAllisonRD.com slash group hyphen coaching. Today, we have an interview episode coming at you with a very special guest, Hannah Bugis. Hannah is a Canadian self-love podcaster, content creator, and workshop facilitator who has worked with brands like BBC, Vega, and Poshmark. On her page, she discusses topics like self-acceptance, building a healthy relationship with exercise, chronic illness, sustainability, bold beauty, and LGBTQ topics. She is represented by a talent agency that backs the biggest names in the self-love space and is currently on track to get her master's degree in public policy. When Hannah was in high school, she was diagnosed with two chronic illnesses. And after spending years struggling, letting her insecurities get in the way of who she was, she eventually found an empathetic, creative, and caring human underneath all of the self-doubt who cares deeply about climate activism, social justice, and helping other humans become their authentic selves. Now she helps people unlearn the narratives in this world that are keeping them small and insecure so they can practice confidence. Welcome to the show, Hannah. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I was actually a guest on Hannah's podcast not too long ago, and we had such a great conversation that I wanted to continue it here and hear a little bit more from her. So I wanted to start off the same way that I always start off an interview episode by hearing a little bit more about your story. I know we got the Coles Notes version in the bio, but how did you get into this work? And did you always think that you would be a confidence creator? Yeah, what a great question. Um, you did get the Coles Notes, but... <laughs> It did start when I was younger and I was diagnosed with two chronic illnesses and it really changed my life in a way that I could not imagine going through such like traumatic events at a young age and going through all the stress that came with that chronic illness. It really changed me and it made me see the value in confidence and how I had none of it growing up. And the chronic illness was a big reason for that. I was embarrassed of it. And I really made myself small and internalized a lot of stuff as a kid and was never my authentic self. And, you know, that plays a huge role in, in how you act and how you show yourself to the world. And 
I felt like I had so much that was inside me that was just, I was afraid to show because I didn't have the confidence and I didn't know how to practice it. And even, you know, it just shows up in so many areas of your life. Like as someone with a chronic illness, you're going to the doctor a lot. And confidence is a really important tool in these situations where you're even at the doctor's office and you have to advocate for yourself and be the one to ask for what you need. And as I began to share my story with with chronic illness and confidence, I noticed that people really resonated and they really saw themselves in my story. And people really struggled with confidence. This was a thing that not just I was struggling with, but everyone, especially women, you know, because we're we're taught over and over again to be small and question ourselves and always be working on ourselves, always be, you know, working to be skinnier and prettier and, and hit certain beauty standards at all times. And when we're so focused on pleasing everyone else, we completely forget about ourselves and how to please ourselves. And I just saw such a need for this kind of content out there. And so that's what led me to be a confidence creator. And, you know, I don't think I always thought that I would be growing up. In fact, I was going down a very different path originally going into environmental policy. And I still might do some of that, but it's just been calling to me because of how many people I've been able to help. And it's it's really nice to be able to get to do creative, fun stuff every day that really helps people. Yeah, I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I, I think a lot of people can resonate with feeling like they have so much more inside of them that they want to share with the world, but they don't know how to bring that part of them outside. And I know I've certainly felt that way too. Sometimes I'm like, damn, like I've got it. And then other times I'm like, why can't I just bring it out? Why can't I just show this part of myself? What am I afraid of? What am I ashamed of? And it's a journey for sure, building confidence. And I love that you are able to share that with people on, you know, how to start embarking on that journey. It's really needed. Mm -hmm. It is a, it is a journey. It's a lifelong journey, which is what a lot of people forget. Yeah. It's not like a destination you hit where you're like, yes, I am confident. The world is better (laughs) now and everything's perfect. It's like you get somewhere and you're like, yes. And then you're like, ah, shit, this again. And then you have to go back and unlearn like 20 things. And then (laughs) you find it again. Check them off the list. (laughs) And you talk a lot about self-acceptance on your social media. How would you define that? I would define self-acceptance as accepting yourself, radically accepting yourself for everything that you are, no matter if it's good or bad, or, you know, in quotations, good or bad, because the thing is that, you know, the things that we often think are bad about ourselves are really not. We've just, you know, worked them up in our head so much, or, you know, they're bad to us. There are specific insecurity, but when we can release the shame of what they are and stop feeling like they are bad, that's when we can accept ourselves and releasing all that and simply saying, okay, you know, maybe this was something that happened that I didn't really like, or maybe I don't really like this part about myself, but that's fine. You know what? It's here. I accept that it's here and that's really how you can move forward and grow into someone who is confident and practice from there because you can't 
be confident by, well, you can, but it's not, it's not fun by shaming yourself into being confident. When you start from a place of self-acceptance, then you can really give yourself the grace that you need to practice confidence, even when you're not perfect. Yeah. And I I noticed that you didn't want to say that self-acceptance means you are obsessed with every single part of yourself. It's just, you allow what is to just be. And I think I didn't say that, but I think that's, that's (laughs) what a lot of people think. Yeah. Self-acceptance is. And, you know, it's, that's what we see online for sure. That's what we kind of have the impression is that it is just based on society and we live in a society, but it's, it's really not obsession. It doesn't mean that you're completely happy with yourself. It doesn't mean that there's nothing about you that you wouldn't change or that you wouldn't grow toward, Mm. but it just means that you accept yourself for where you're at now, you know, because we don't really gain anything from not accepting where we're at. Like, what are you going to do? You know, you're here. These are the things about you. It causes so much unnecessary stress by, you know, trying to shame yourself for changing something that, you know, you just can't because you are who you are. Mm -hmm. It's about the present moment. It's not about, all right, what am I working towards? Who am I going to be in a year, five, 10 years from now? It's just, this is me right now. And I accept it. It's okay. I accept it. Yeah. And like you said before, it's, it's a journey. It's an evolution. It's not like you, okay, accept yourself in this moment. And then you're vowing to accept yourself forever necessarily. It's more like, all right, this is a continual process of working on this and continually affirming to myself that I accept me for me. Yeah. It's more like a commitment, you know, when you commit to self-acceptance, things are going to come up that are going to make you, you know, that doesn't mean that all the shame and and whatever you're feeling goes away, but it means that since you're committed to self-acceptance, when it does come up, you're committed to saying to yourself, you know, I know that this is not where I want to be right now, but I'm going to be kind to myself and gentle with myself because I deserve it. And also that is really how you, like, that is the catalyst for growth, Yeah, which is is ironic that so many people think you can shame yourself into being better, but really it's that self-acceptance that allows you to change and become the next version of yourself that you want to be. It is a commitment. That's a really great way of putting it. I've never thought about it that way with that specific word, but I think it ties in really, really nicely. Neither have I, but it feels right. (laughs) It just came out in conversation. It works. Came out. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I'm sensing, I'm sensing a social media post about this later from you. (laughs) I love podcast interviews because so many things that come out of my mouth, I'm like, oh my God, I got to write that down. Yeah, I'm, I'm (laughs) well-spoken. Seriously. (laughs) And so how does self-acceptance intersect with chronic illness? Something that comes up a lot for my clients, I know in my practice is somebody who is living with diabetes, somebody who has liver disease, any sort of chronic illness, or, you know, just something that isn't necessarily what society deems as normal or acceptable. How does the journey of self-acceptance fit into that? Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, I would say that my chronic illness or chronic illnesses in general can really be catalysts for self-acceptance. And I think it's been for me 
because you are, you know, especially like for me, I struggled with so many things that not a lot of my peers were struggling with or virtually none of them. And my challenges were completely different. And, you know, the things that were happening to me and my body were different. And if you're someone who has a chronic illness or something like that, and you're putting so much shame on yourself or internalizing it and you know, it can be hard because when you have a chronic illness, you, you need a lot of help and you need other people to help you. And you need to be honest with yourself about what you need, which is generally more than a lot of other people. And that can be really hard. And self-acceptance was such an important tool for me. And I think it's for anyone because, you know, this is your reality. Like the reality is that, you know, you have a chronic illness, it's not going to go away. And you can either learn to accept that thing about yourself, just like you can learn to accept anything about yourself that you may not like, or that you may not wish were there, because ultimately you owe it to yourself. I mean, it's your reality. You have to accept those things about yourself. And when you do, when you can get to that place of acceptance where you're like, okay, this is maybe not what I wanted my life to be, but I accept that it is. And I accept these things about myself that's when you can actually start to really find the beauty in it. And that's so necessary, especially if you have a chronic illness or you're going through challenges to be able to find the power in those things and the strength in those things, because there is, even though it's not the same or what what you think it should look like, you have to let it show that power to you and you deserve that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really well said. And this is a hard question, but for someone who maybe blames themselves for being in a larger body or for having developed diabetes, how does self-acceptance fit into that for someone who has that self-blame and shame? Mm -hmm. That is a really good question. And different people will have different perspectives on this topic for sure. I think, you know, like any chronic illness, you know, we can, we can, waste our energy blaming ourselves and we do you know it's it's I feel like human nature and to a certain extent it's going to be there and I think you know it's hard to completely avoid but it's important to be gentle to yourself and be kind to yourself above anything else because Mm -hmm. you know in that position you know you're going through some really tough challenges that maybe you've never faced maybe you've never had to face. And the only way that you are going to be able to get through them in a way that does not, you know, harm you mentally is just through that acceptance that it's happening. And, you know, obviously it's easier said than done, Mm -hmm. but acceptance, self-acceptance, like we said earlier, is a commitment. It's a practice. And even if right now you're saying to yourself, you know, this is all my fault and I don't deserve X, Y, Z, that's totally normal. You know, we all have those thoughts, but committing to self-acceptance and saying, I'm going to be able to work through this and I want to be kind to myself and I want to be gentle to myself and I'm going to do what it takes to get there. That's all that you need to do, really. Mm. And it's not to say that when you accept yourself, the challenges go away, but it's saying, you know, I'm okay through all of it. I'm going to be able to get through this time, even though I'm, I'm going to have to shed a lot of beliefs that are deeply ingrained into me right now, but I will shed them. 
It's hard for people to have that foresight to say, I will shed them because when you've been stuck in blaming yourself and not accepting yourself for so long, it can feel so far fetched. But like you said, it's an evolution and it's something that if other people can do it, so can you, right? Getting to that place of of self-acceptance, it's not going to look the same as somebody else's, but if you're committed to getting there, you will. Yeah. And you have to drop the idea that it's going to look like anyone else's. Yep. And it is such an evolution. It starts with one snowball. It starts with saying, I want to do this for myself. I want to give this to myself. And then everything snowballs from there, you know, because once you actually say the words and you're like, this is what I want, then you know that that is something that's important to you. You know, that's a value that you want. And sometimes you don't even know until you are like, okay, this is what I want. I'm committed to it. Yeah. Cause then you can begin to take, you know, different steps from there, starting with something as simple as unfollowing people on social media and, you know, going to something as big as finding a therapist and starting that, you know, it, it's step after step yep. in the right direction. It's a practice really, you know, it's not, I like to say confidence is a practice, just like self-acceptance is mm-hmm. everything you do. You can either practice it through a lens of self-acceptance or you can not. So it's all about using those opportunities to be kind to yourself. That's a really great exploratory question that people can check in around of how can I look at this through a lens of self-acceptance? That is a good question. I can see it in an Instagram graphic in my head right now. (laughs) There you go. Looking forward to seeing it. And you talk a lot about self-acceptance, but also, of course, confidence. Where does confidence fit on that self-acceptance journey? Is it something that comes right away with self-acceptance? Does it come later? What's that evolution like? I think like self-acceptance, it can act as a stepping stone for sure. Because, you know, if you're someone who has really been hard on yourself your entire life, just, just going to be confident in yourself is going to seem like not even something you can do. You know, it's going to seem like maybe it feels fake or just completely unattainable. And self-acceptance is kind of that in-between step that allows you to get there. Because once you can say, you know, I accept this thing about myself, you can say to yourself, even though I'm not perfect, even though I'm not where I want to be right now, if I accept it, then I can still be confident in myself. I can still practice confidence, which is really hard to do when you're feeling a lot of shame and blame. Mm-hmm. I do feel like self-acceptance is a hundred percent necessary for confidence yeah. or for pure and genuine confidence and confidence. Often, I think it definitely comes as a result, although there are definitely, you know, practicing being confident and really sure of yourself and your abilities is different than just saying, I want to accept, you know, this thing about myself because you're really going out into the world and, but like self-acceptance, it is a practice too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting the way that it kind of ties into body image, just in the sense that, you know, there can be people who are in smaller bodies who are not confident. There are people who can be in larger bodies that are confident, right? It's, it's not a body size that necessarily lends to confidence, but I think that we can kind of get really diluted in the idea that it is that when we just get to a certain weight, we get to a certain size, a certain look, whatever, 
we're going to feel that way. It's just going to naturally come. But the thing is, when you're always chasing a goalpost, that goalpost is going to keep moving. And what really needs to happen is self-acceptance of just where you're at. That's what really brings confidence. It's not looking a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when it comes to body image, like you said, we can fall into this trap of thinking when we get to a certain number, that's when the confidence will kick in. And, you know, maybe you've even had an experience where like that's happened and you have felt more confident in yourself and that can create even more of an kind of illusion that this is the only way you can be confident. And this is the only thing you have to do. And it's like, it's natural that you're going to feel that more confident boost, especially if you do lose weight initially, because we do live in a society that puts, you know, straight size and thin bodies on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can get an illusion of confidence for sure from losing weight, but is it coming from the inside? Because, you know, chasing, there's a, there's a word, I can't remember the term for it, but, but there's a term for chasing something, thinking that it's going to give you what you want. You know, it's the same, like you think you're going to lose weight and all of a sudden your life is going to be better. You think if you travel across the world, then all of a sudden all your problems will be cured. You know, you think once you get to a certain place, then everything's going to be okay. When really it's about this moment right now not chasing some arbitrary number or place. The only confidence that is maintainable in the long term is the confidence that you can really find from within yourself. Looking to like outer numbers and outer indicators is, you know, you're using someone else's version of confidence or beauty or success as your own. And that is always going to lead to disappointment. It's not your confidence. It's not your own inner story. Yep. Yeah. And I always say, I mean, self-worth doesn't come from anything external. It doesn't come from the things you have, money, looks, weight, the makeup that you're wearing, like your accomplishments in life, necessarily the job that you have, like it comes from having a deep knowing of just who you are and radically accepting yourself no matter what Mm self-worth comes from all of the pieces that are inside that make you you that make you special it's it's not anything external to you and it's funny because people will do their very best to convince us that because they have you know a lot of money or because they're gorgeous or because they're xyz that they are confident Mm -hmm. and you know we can only see them on the outside we can't see if there is really a deep radical acceptance in there. Mm-hmm. And chances are, if there is some sort of illusion, you know, that we're thinking, oh, I wish I was like this. I wish, you know, that I was as confident as a person that we don't know the reality, you know, mm-hmm. because the reality is that we're all humans. And even the people who look like they have their shit together, even the people who look, you know, like they are the most confident who are showing off their bodies online or who are, you know, flexing their amazing lives. I would argue that those people are probably the most insecure a lot of the time. Not always, you know, I don't want to be talking shit about these people. I mean, do whatever (laughs) you want, honestly, but like, don't fall for the illusion of confidence, basically, because it is an inner thing and you can't see it all the time. Yeah, you really can't know anything from looking at somebody you even if they look like the most confident person or like they should be the most confident person it's not fair to compare yourself because you know you know your whole entire world and universe and you know only a snippet of theirs yeah 
And, you know, I'm definitely a culprit of it too. It's easy to do. You know, it's easy to look at someone who has the life that you think you want and go, oh, you know, why aren't I there yet? Yeah. But you also can't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 50. You know, you don't know the evolution. You don't know the behind the scenes. We don't know what people's lives are really like. All we can see is that little snippet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that comes with low confidence and low self-esteem is a lack of boundaries, letting people walk all over them because they feel like they're not worthy enough to stand up for themselves, not worthy enough to voice their opinion or say no or whatever else it may be. Why would you say boundaries are important for building confidence? It's a really good question. And boundaries are a tool for building confidence, arguably the most important tool for building confidence. Honestly, I can say that they've been like one of the biggest game changing tools in my confidence journey, because they essentially allow you to create the container for yourself where you can be confident and you can be confident in your authentic self. And it's because you know what your limits are and you know, you know what you deserve and you know what you need and you know how to set those limits in ways that can be authentic to you. It can be really important because you can stop allowing people to one, you know, take advantage of you, but also allow yourself to stop saying, I have to let people walk all over my boundaries. You know, I deserve to put myself first. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be confident. And if this is what I need to do that, then I'm allowed to have that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they are definitely the the best tool for, for learning how to be confident. Because when you can create like a safe environment for yourself to do that, then it becomes a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It feels really good to stand up for yourself in that way and to set boundaries. It's scary. It's for sure. It's a really scary thing to do. But when you're able to do it and protect your space, protect your time, your energy, whatever it may be, it just really feels like you're caring for yourself and doing something for yourself that makes a difference in how you feel. And when that happens, it absolutely builds confidence because you say, hey, I can do this, right? It makes you feel stronger in your abilities. Yeah. You're building self-trust. Yes. Every time you say, this is a boundary that I'm going to set for myself and I'm going to follow through with it. Mm -hmm. You're really saying, I trust myself to create the safe environment for me. And confidence is basically self-trust, you know, saying like, I can do this. I can, you know, I trust myself. Even if I do fuck it up, even if I do not, it doesn't go the way I want. You know, I still trust myself to put myself first and, you know, I trust myself to look after myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's a big piece of how intuitive eating fits into all this too, right? You're building trust with yourself around food. And when you have to face food multiple times a day, every single day, and you trust yourself around it, that also builds confidence. But I know that's maybe getting a little bit away from the point of boundaries. And I know you have a boundary workshop that you're starting to work on. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I would love to. So in the first week of December, I'm hosting a workshop, the setting boundaries with diet culture workshop. And this is a great workshop for anyone who does have these people pleasing tendencies and wants to be able to go into the holidays and this time where diet culture is really strong, you know, 
you're seeing all of your relatives and they're commenting on your body, they're commenting on your food. We're going into the new year, new me, January situation. And it can be a very, very stressful time for anyone who does not know how to practice boundaries, does not know how to stand up for themselves, does not know what they need or how to properly communicate what they need in a way that feels authentic to them, that is not rude or mean or demanding. It can be a very stressful time. And I think we've all been there. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to host this workshop for anyone who was going into this position and feels like they are still very triggered by these conversations about diet and food and feels like, you know, they want to be able to stand up for themselves. They want to be able to look after themselves and set the boundaries they need with these conversations about diet culture, but really don't know how or where to start or even feel guilty for doing it, you know, still feel like they're not allowed to stand up for themselves and still have this understanding of boundaries as something that is rude. And that's so many women out there because, you know, we're taught to always, always put ourselves last. We're taught to make every single other person happy. And if that means engaging with our relatives on what diets we should go on, then we'll do it because, you know, they must be right if their, you know, their opinion is right. And we don't have to engage with that. We don't have to hurt ourselves to make other people happy. We can have our own boundaries and our own limits and still go to family dinner. And, you know, there may be issues and things here and there, but when we can trust ourselves and say, you know, I'm not going to put myself in, in these harmful situations, then that is such a gift to yourself when you can go into these situations and know that they're not going to drain you. They're not going to ruin your confidence when you are leaving. Yeah. I mean, because you go into Thanksgiving, let's say, and everyone's talking about, oh, I'm eating way too much. I got to make up for this tomorrow. Talking about all the diets that they're going to go on, talking about all the weight they need to lose, whatever it may be. You can really leave those events feeling super deflated, so deflated. And not to say that you're going to feel, you know, amazing leaving that if you have the ability to set boundaries, but you're going to leave feeling intact and you're going to leave feeling more secure in yourself and, and even more aligned in the fact that you know that what you're doing makes sense for you and what they're doing they're allowed to do and that's fine having the ability to set boundaries with other people and just internally even within yourself makes such a difference when you're interacting with other people who aren't necessarily on the same wavelength as you it does and internal boundaries are totally a thing and they can be so helpful in those moments when you say you know okay if this happens then I'm going to do this. I'm not going to engage. You know, when you set certain internal boundaries with yourself, you're also saying to yourself, you know, I'm not going to do the things that are harmful to me. And that is really important. And you're right. It's not to say that you're not going to leave those situations feeling amazing and perfect. But if you are someone who feels very, very triggered by these conversations about diets and Mm -hmm. all this stuff, and you don't have boundaries and you allow yourself to you know, engage in ways that harm you, you do leave feeling like extremely deflated, probably with a big hit in your confidence. 
probably taking all the things that all these people are saying to you genuinely into heart. And those things can affect you for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And when you do have boundaries as a tool, you know how to set them with other people, you know how to set them with yourself. You're basically not, you're not leaking your, your energy all over the place. You're not engaging in ways that are harmful to you. And you do leave feeling like you're not a puddle. You leave feeling like you're an intact, full human who can get through hard situations and still trust yourself to get through them in the least stressful way possible. Absolutely. Really well put. Your workshop sounds really amazing. And I think that everybody needs to definitely attend this. It's virtual, I'm assuming. So it doesn't matter where you are. You can show up and be there. Probably watch a replay as well if you happen to miss it. But yeah, I mean, setting boundaries is so important, especially with the holiday season coming up. So really, honestly, thank you for for sharing more about that. And thank you for creating something like this because it's really, really needed and is going to help a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. And it is virtual and there will be a replay and it is in the first week of December. So I believe December 6th is the date and we'll include all that in the show notes. Yes, we will. And so final question, just to wrap up, what is something practical that somebody could do on a day where they don't feel super accepting of themselves or they don't feel very confident, but they need to be out in the world and live their lives? Mm -hmm. That's such a good question. And the answer is not super complicated. And I think, you know, it's so easy to complicate this topic, but really on those days where you, you want to be kind to yourself and you want to be gentle to yourself is about really going back to the basics of what you need as a person to be happy. Like on days where, you know, I'm feeling more, I wake up maybe feeling not so good about myself or whatever. Those are the days when it's most important to really take time for myself to connect with myself and just do something basic I enjoy. So, you know, on those days, wake up feeling stressed out, you know, if go for a 20 minute walk outside, do your makeup, like take an hour to make breakfast, take an hour to journal. Those are the most important times when you have to take a moment to connect with yourself and check in with yourself and do something that you just genuinely enjoy and do that instead of, you know, run out the door and continue to force yourself to work immediately, you know, do something nice for yourself instead of doing something self-sabotaging. It's all about being kind to yourself, all about being gentle to yourself, just going back to the basics and saying, you know, what do I need right now? to be happy slowing down a little bit getting off the like conveyor belt that's happening in your mind that's spinning out of control just slow down do something for yourself yeah I know that even though I'm saying this like half the people listening are gonna wake up feeling stressed and then run onto the conveyor belt and (laughs) you know it's it's hard to break that habit but the one day that you can do it is the first step Mm -hmm. And then it gets easier from there to slow down. Yep. Try it once and see how it goes. That's what I always say. Look at it as a bit of an experiment. Try it. See if it works. See if it helps. See if you need to tweak anything or change anything. Go from there. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, it's just one time when you try and you don't like it, then get right back on the conveyor belt. (laughs) (laughs) Do what you got to (laughs) do. Got to do, you know. I'm not here to judge. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's a really great tip, I think. And everybody can try that out and see how it goes. So 
Thank you so much for, for being on the show. It's been a really great time talking to you. I think we've had a really great conversation that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And so if people want to continue following you, Hannah, where can they find you? You can find me mainly on Instagram. My username is healthy by Hannah B. I'm also on TikTok and on my Instagram, you can get on my email list so that you're notified when the workshop comes out and I am doing a exclusive pre-sale for anyone on the email list. You'll get early access and discounted access and there will be limited numbers available. So I definitely recommend getting on there. And I also have a free body acceptance ebook for anybody who signs up and you can connect with me there. Send me a message, hit me up and that's it. Amazing. Well, thank you for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. If you're ready to evolve your relationship with food in your body so that you never have food anxiety or feel out of control with eating again, check me out at www.brittanyallisonrd.com. From there, you can see what I'm all about and you can book a free consult call where I'll help you discover what's actually keeping you stuck and help you develop a game plan for your journey to food freedom and body confidence. Again, that's www.brittanyallisonrd.com. See you next week.